Hello there, and thanks for listening in to our Die of Matthew study. Die of Matthew is the dive study that began it all. Throughout February of 2019, lives were changed and the scriptures came alive to a group of about 50 people as they dove into the book of Matthew, all 28 chapters in 28 days. It moved at a fast clip, but even with that rigorous pace, it became clear that it was worth pursuing an ongoing ministry based on these studies. This is how Dive Collective began. Our new dive studies will be formatted differently, but the process of inductive study remains the same. So as you listen through the book of Matthew, know that we are waiting to welcome you into our current live dive studies where we engage with our Bible study members and dive in at a manageable pace for study. You can find everything you need to know at divecollective.org under our studies tab. Enjoy your time in Dive Matthew, and we hope you'll join us in real time soon. So welcome to Dive Matthew, where we're going to be doing 28 chapters of Matthew in 28 days. For the first study, you're going to want to download our dive guide at www.divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. Dive studies are our version of inductive Bible study. This particular study of Matthew was the first one we did back in 2019. I hosted that dive guide in a different format on a different website at the time, but now if you want to join in and see how to do a dive study before committing to join us live, you'll want to go ahead and go to divecollective.org to download and get started. So we're going to go ahead and read through the 17th chapter of Matthew. If you'd like to skip ahead because you've already read the chapter, you can go ahead and do that now. You'll want to join back in at approximately 4 minutes and 45 seconds. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured in front of them, and his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I will set up three shelters here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down and were terrified. Jesus came up, touched them, and said, Get up, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone about the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. So the disciples asked him, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Elijah is coming and will restore everything, he replied. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they didn't recognize him. On the contrary, they did whatever they pleased to him. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he had spoken to them about John the Baptist. When they reached the crowd, a man approached and knelt down before him. Lord, he said, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus replied, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And from that moment, the boy was healed. Then the disciples approached Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we drive it out? Because of your little faith, he told them. For truly, I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. As they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus told them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised up. And they were deeply distressed. When they came to Capernaum, those who collected the temple tax approached Peter and said, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he said. 
When he went into the house, Jesus spoke to him first. What do you think, Simon? From whom do earthly kings collect tariffs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? From strangers, he said. Then the sons are free, Jesus told them. But so we won't offend them, go to the sea, cast in a fish hook, and take the first fish that you catch. When you open its mouth, you'll find a coin. Take it and give it to them for me and for you. All right. I, when I went through this chapter, I divided it into three sections. The first one is just the transfiguration part. Mm-hmm. So through chapter 11, or sorry, verse 11. Let's start there. All right. I wrote, it's occurring six days after Jesus told the disciples that they would have to take up their crosses and follow him. Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a high mountain with no crowd. When I observed this, I just kind of made a mental note. I thought it was interesting that he took Peter, James, John's brother, and John. And I'm kind of wondering where Andrew ends up. Like These are kind of the three that get to go with Jesus mm-hmm. everywhere. And I'm wondering, so Peter and Andrew were called together, and James mm-hmm. and John were called together, and we end up with Peter, James, and John up at the mountain where Jesus basically intentionally brings them there to be transfigured in front of them. Uh, It says his face was shown like the sun. His clothes became white as light itself. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appear to them and they're talking to him, which indicates Jesus. Peter offers to make shelters. He says, I don't know what, I can't remember what the quote exactly was, but I know that my observation is more an interpretation. I wrote, Peter offers to make shelters as if to say, like, it's good that we're here and we can be helpful, Jesus. (laughs) While Peter is still speaking about building them shelters, a bright cloud enveloped them all. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Let's just talk about these, let's talk about these observations for a second. Because we were, as we were prepping to start this podcast. We were both kind of laughing about this picture. Yes. Of... It, it kind of reminds me, this is what I said to you, especially hearing the way you wrote it down, it reminds me of like when we would go camping when my kids were little and they're like, sweet, we get to help set up the tent. Like they yes. just, they want so badly to be helpful. And that's what Peter sounds like to me. It's kind of funny. And also okay. just the fact that as Peter is still speaking, as Peter, as Peter's still standing there looking at Jesus. So not it's not just Jesus though. Moses and Elijah have already appeared. Yes, and okay? they're standing there talking. So mm-hmm. right, whatever Moses and Elijah looked like, whether they were regular people or they were like bright as the clear, sun too, see, or, right? Yeah. Like you know, but Peter uh-huh. obviously knows that they were had already died, and so they had shown up. So he sees Jesus talking to them, offers to build tents. And while he's still offering to build the tents, that's when the voice from heaven comes in the bright cloud. And so Peter's all up in the middle of Jesus's business again. Like yes. kind of like he was in the storm. Like Jesus is just trying to walk to them on the water. Right. And Peter's like, ah, I'm sorry. I got to be a part yes, of this. I Can I just be this. in the middle of this? Yeah. yeah. And so again, we find Peter in the middle of like this holy thing is yes. happening. And Peter's like, can I just, can I just build you guys houses? Because right. that would... I'd like to be a part of this. The more I learn about Peter, the more I think I would be really irritated with him as a human being. The more I learn about Peter, the more I think I am I Peter. <laughs> well, I do love you, so we can't be that bad, I guess. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, he reminds mm-hmm. me of a little boy. Like, just this little boy that, I mean... Unaware. I ha- He reminds me of Eli. <laughs> like... Because Eli, adorable. right, he's a, he doesn't, well, maybe he annoys me sometimes. Eli is my 
10-year-old son. But he's in the middle of everything and also, like, on top of everything. Mm-hmm. So if he, if you're doing something, he is literally either under your, under arms. your arms or breathing down your neck or, like, he just wants to be part of whatever's going on. Uh-huh. And so maybe that's why I picture Peter as a little boy because he reminds me of Eli. But Which is just precious. He's just precious. Yes. And when you think about it that way. So maybe way. more lovable than annoying. Yeah. Sorry, Peter. Jesus just... And Jesus is so patient with them. Yes. Okay, so so Peter's in the middle of this cloud where God's declaring Jesus to be his son again with whom he's well pleased. And it says the disciples were terrified. Jesus touched them and said, don't be afraid. That's just a picture that I... Mm-hmm. I so comforting. Oh, my word. I love that picture. He touched them and said, don't be afraid. I also said I also made a note of the fact that this was the second time that God appeared in a cloud and mm-hmm. said, "This is my son with whom mm-hmm. I'm well pleased." And so it might be important to acknowledge the. Um, this would be a great time to spend observing the difference in the people who are there and uh, the people who are acting and the people who are watching. Mm-hmm. That would be something to spend some time really chewing on. Mm-hmm. Jesus touched them and said, don't be afraid. And then they discovered they were alone with Jesus again. Where am I getting that from? It says, after they after he touched them, they looked up and saw no one except Jesus alone. Jesus instructs them to be discreet. There's probably some deep theology in this statement here, but the disciples ask, the disciples know the signs that they're looking for, basically. Mm-hmm. So we see that when they ask, I thought, Elijah was supposed to come first. We're seeing that they have, they were looking for some signs. Mm-hmm. And then that's where Jesus says, Elijah did come first and they didn't recognize him. And I, I look at that passage and I feel like that's just so unfair. How were they supposed to know that Elijah, the Elijah that they were looking for to come first? Wasn't the literal Elijah. Yeah. How could yeah. they possibly have known that John the Baptist was the Elijah that they were looking for? I and maybe because he was eating locusts and honey and calling out in the desert, those are the those were the signs, I guess. But. Well, even I mean that was that was prophesied right in the Old Testament that Elijah would come, and so I wonder if that's just our human literal minds, like we're actually looking for Elijah when he's really just saying someone who does what Elijah did, like Elijah right. proclaimed, you know. Right, and so I guess what I guess why I, why I say it, that just seems so unfair yeah. is that like we have so many signs that we're supposed to be looking for, and it almost makes me want to be like, I'm not gonna like, I don't have a chance. There's no way I'm gonna recognize. I'm probably gonna him. miss it because it looks. It's to me, it looks like you couldn't possibly have known that until like 2020. Hindsight is gonna go. Oh, right. that all the signs were there. That makes perfect sense. So am I gonna not really understand until mm-hmm. Jesus appears, and then I go. Oh, oh, yeah. The, yeah, all those signs were there. I mean, what's the purpose of the signs if I'm not going to recognize them anyway? Or will I because now we have the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, these are all the questions that I have. These would be interpretation questions mm-hmm. that, as you can see, I don't have a ton of answers for. Interpretation-wise, I said, this transfiguration occurred after Peter declared that Jesus is the Messiah, but he couldn't wrap his mind around Jesus' suffering. So how beautiful that God reminded them, much like Jesus' baptism, that he was the Son of God and that they should listen to him. Mm-hmm. After the transfiguration, as the disciples are honestly asking how Jesus fits if Elijah hadn't come, Jesus explains, John the Baptist is Elijah and once again confirms that he will suffer and die. So this is almost like a repetition of the lesson that they had already gotten in that previous chapter. Like, I am the Messiah, Mm -hmm. I will suffer and die. Mm -hmm. And again, we're going through like, 
God, the voice of God from heaven. They are literally being told from heaven, uh, he is the Messiah, he is my son. And then Jesus reminds them again, I'm going to die. God is making it very, very clear to his closest disciples uh-huh. who he is. This is indeed yeah. the Messiah, the Son of God. Yeah. Surely this would have been unforgettable for Peter. Yeah. Interpretation number two, and this will be great for application. Once again, Peter jumps the gun and thinks he can be helpful in God's unfolding plan by building a shelter. And while he's still speaking, God envelops them in a shelter of light. God's voice bursts forth. Peter, James, and John, this is the Son of God. All I want you to do is listen to him. Mm. Application-wise, I'm just going to jump in the second application. I'm sure what I have is valuable for the first one, but I really love the idea that when we think that we can be helpful in, in God's plan or God's unfolding plan, all he wants us to do is be obedient. He wants us to listen to him mm. and obey him. And other than that, like the rest of it is he doesn't need a shelter. He doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't need us to do or be anything else. Just listen to his voice and obey. That's mm-hmm. really it's that simple. Obedience yeah. is everything in following and knowing Jesus. That's the application that I have from this first portion. This is definitely not as deep as all of that. But <laughs> I love your interpretation. <laughs> this is me just observing the whole situation again and kind of Taking it in. Well, yeah, and that whole how we were laughing about Peter wanting to build tents, shelters. Mm -hmm. So I've always pictured this as kind of like a quick scene, you know, like they Mm -hmm. go up on the mountain and the people show up. But it it makes me wonder how long Jesus was talking to Moses and Elijah after they show up. Like Moses, it says, suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with Jesus. Then Mm -hmm. Peter says to Jesus, Hey, can I build you a tent? Like, I wonder if he's like, oh my word, can we speed this up a little bit or are we staying here forever? Like the next question probably would have been them saying, shoot, we didn't bring any bread. Like, I didn't know we were going to have dinner up here. Like, it just yeah. makes me think about. Oh yeah. How long? How they... long it was Jesus sitting there I'm talking with Moses and Elijah. Saying. Yes. Like I always picture like he's over there chatting just for a couple minutes and then all this happens. But yes. if Peter feels like he should build them a shelter, maybe I, they had been there a long a while. conversation. And Peter, That's James, and John really are just good. kind of sitting there hanging out, waiting for Jesus to stop talking to the dead guys. That's really good. Not a lot of spiritual application. But oh no, but like I mean, if you do, this is the funny. This is the fun part, right? It's just imagining this. And I, <laughs> what if? <laughs> This is all going to get deleted. <laughs> what if Jesus saw God's, or Peter saw God's cloud rolling in and was like, oh no, it's going to rain. <laughs> this needs to be in like the outtake session. <laughs> Shoot. We forgot our umbrellas. Uh, <laughs> never mind. It's too late. God's already here. All right. Okay, seven. Okay, so the next portion for observations, I have they were coming from the transfiguration where God the Father had just spoken and confirmed that Jesus told them was true and to listen to him. This I um, I like to go back and look at what the previous lesson was when I'm coming into the next portion, especially when I'm breaking a chapter into three sections, just to keep the continuity, because mm-hmm. a lot of times that will set a that will make an interpretation just the the flow of what's mm-hmm. happening and when it's happening will help with interpretations later. 
So that was the first observation. Then number two, they came upon a crowd that from the text looks like they were specifically walking toward that crowd. Yeah, Yeah, so when they reached the crowd, it looks like they were going directly toward the crowd. Then a man reached them and knelt down before Jesus. His son suffered from epilepsy and frequently falls into dangerous situations. The man specifically says that the disciples couldn't heal the boy this is clearly an important detail Mm -hmm. that he had actually asked disciples to heal him and that they couldn't jesus replies to the man you unbelieving and perverse generation how long how long jesus commands the father to bring his son to him jesus rebukes the demon and it comes out immediately the boy was healed disciples approach jesus privately and ask why they couldn't do it I love that they have all these private side conversations, Mm -hmm. that they have this public life and Mm -hmm. that they don't question in public necessarily, mostly probably because they don't, there's some shame involved in some of these things. A lot of these private situations, it's almost like God's just being so gentle and Mm -hmm. kind to address these things, not publicly. And he basically, I don't know, from the text, it almost looks a little bit, I think if I had received the response that they get, which is that they their faith is too little, that I would feel a little, I don't know if ashamed is the word. Um, I think I'm frustrated. Defeated? Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Um, because he basically says that if you had even the faith of a mustard seed, you'd be able to move a mountain from the other. So they must feel like they don't have any faith whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But clearly they have faith in him, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, those are my observations. Interpretations. They now know that Jesus is the Son of God. So this is all happening when they have come down from the transfiguration and they've been reminded from God himself that Jesus is his Son and that he won't be with them forever. They they encounter a man that they have apparently encountered before and they couldn't help, uh, giving them an opportunity to ask a question on all of our behalfs. Why do we ask for some things that are apparently according to your will and nothing happens, but you can do it and you want to do it? They had asked for it, so why couldn't... I don't know. I think it just made me think of those times where you pray for somebody and nothing happens Mm -hmm. and you wonder, like, is it actually because my faith is too small Mm -hmm. or is it because it wasn't your will? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, that's that's an eternal mystery, I think, Mm -hmm. that we have as being believers and that we are supposed to pray for these things. But it doesn't always happen the way that we want it to. Right. And yet Jesus can and do it, and sometimes he does do it later. Mm-hmm. Another interpretation. Jesus tells them it was their little faith, but then says, if you have a little faith, nothing is impossible. So they do have little faith, but if their little faith is impossible, it's another one of those like, ah, Jesus, just say <laughs> what you mean. <laughs> How long, how how long, I sense Jesus is exasperated with the human race and their lack of faith. Maybe he's anxious to leave us. Maybe he's anxious to leave us the Holy Spirit that actually fully equips us once and for all with the faith that we need. Mm. That's a bold interpretation, but it does make, it's a a genuine question. Mm -hmm. I think even looking back on it, it's kind of a good one. I wonder how much Jesus was just like, I can't wait to get this over with Mm -hmm. so that they can fully understand. Right. And I think that would be, that response is totally a mix of his humanity and his deity. Like as a human, it's really frustrating when you tell people the same thing over and over and they don't get it. Yes. But then as God, especially when we, knowing now the great love that God has for us, that would have been, he wants them to get it because of his love for people you know yes so i'm going to look up a passage here that speaks to this 
1 Corinthians 2, 10. What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit, of who, the spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. Mm. I feel like that that's what I'm seeing here, is I'm seeing a human Jesus where his Spirit is within him, and he's trying to be known. He's trying to show the world who, he, who God is, mm-hmm. who's revealing the Father through himself, but he can only do it to the degree that his flesh will allow him and within the circles that his flesh can touch. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's just anxious to pour it all out. Like, yeah. so, like because once we have the spirit, then we have access to the full depth of who God is. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's anxious. I mean, mm-hmm. I would be anxious for that too. Like I'm so limited in this. Yeah. I'm so limited here, but once I go, I can just pour out mm-hmm. all of it and all of this. Right. I, I just have to get this thing done that I came yes. to do. Yes. And then, Yes, and yet still we needed all of these stories because all of these stories reveal, like Jesus' life reveals the love of the Father. Without Mm -hmm. Jesus' life, even if we have, the Spirit is revealed in all of that. Mm -hmm. I don't, you have to have all three. Like Mm -hmm. the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. all working together. It's awesome. Okay. It is awesome. When we see things that we are, we don't think that we can overcome, when we are in bondage that we feel like we can never, that leads us to a place where we're continuously finding ourselves in dangerous places. You know, Mm -hmm. the way that this demon possessed Mm -hmm. little boy was that's falling into fires and into the water. And Jesus says that with faith, the size of a mustard seed, nothing is impossible. Now, for those of us who are living after this time, when we do, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Like we are because of the Holy Spirit in us and our faith, we can be free from bondage. Mm-hmm. How that works and how that looks um, usually comes to complete and total, total surrender. Yeah. And when we get to that place of total and complete surrender is a mystery, you know, mm-hmm. what it takes to get us there. But I do know that every time that I've asked for it, he's gotten me there yeah. one way or another, even if it means me being on my deathbed for a bit of time. Yeah. I think there's some really good stuff. There is some good stuff that I got this last part. I believe we're talking about Jesus talking to the disciples. Jesus tells them he will be betrayed. Disciples are deeply distressed. The temple tax collectors asked Peter if Jesus paid temple tax. Peter said yes. When Peter entered where Jesus was speaking, when Peter entered where Jesus was, where Jesus was, the house where Jesus was. Thank you. Jesus spoke to Peter first. Mm -hmm. Jesus asked Peter what he thinks, although he already knows what Peter Mm -hmm. thinks. From whom do earthly kings collect taxes, sons or strangers? Peter answers, strangers. Then the sons are free, said Jesus. Jesus sends for Peter to collect their temple tax directly from God, from the mouth of a fish. Obviously, it was provided by God because fish don't give us coins. Interpretation. When tax collectors asked, Peter answered their question wrong. But when Jesus asked Peter, he knew that the Son of God shouldn't have to pay God's taxes. God is saying, who do earthly kings collect taxes from? Earthly Mm -hmm. kings collect tax from strangers. Right, not from their... Right. Right. So I almost wonder whether he's actually addressing a tithe here. 
where God is saying, if you're sons of God, do you owe a tax or mm-hmm. or does your father set you free because you're actually sons and it all belongs to you? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So he's this is him basically addressing the Old Testament law of tithing, basically, is what you're saying. This is what I'm wondering. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm wondering. I have what, no idea. When that question where he says... Um, from whom do earthly kings collect taxes, sons or strangers? He says, from strangers. And then mm-hmm. Jesus says, then the sons are free, Jesus told him. Mm-hmm. But so we don't offend them. Go to the sea, cast in a fish hook, and take the first fish you can catch. Sons are The sons are free. Automatically, my mind went to tithing. That's mm-hmm. what, as the sons of God, we still pay a tax to the church or whatever. That 10% is our church tax, kind mm-hmm. of. But... It almost looks like what God is saying is, now you're my sons. Like, you're, mm-hmm. it's no longer a thing mm-hmm. where you're... I mean... Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, later he talks about giving in the sense that he wants it to be a gift because we want to do it, not because mm-hmm. we're required to do it. Right. Yeah. And if you look in Acts, again, that same chapter, you're seeing that the people who belong to the church give everything Mm -hmm. to the church like everything that they have belongs Mm -hmm. to the church and they give it distribute it as needed yeah they distribute it as needed which is what i think of when i think of tithing now i think of it as like whatever i have that's extra goes to anybody that That needs it that needs it Mm -hmm. that i know yeah so (laughs) it's a wondering it's a wonder i mean and that's the thing like that's we kind of talked about this yesterday not on the podcast but like those kinds of questions, even when you're like, can I ask that question? Yeah. Yeah, you can ask the question because this isn't the only section where you can find the answer to that question. Like, yeah, you, if you, it can lead, these things can lead to further deep exactly. studying. Exactly. Right so now like, we're observing the text and these ob- observations directly from the text should lead to more questions. Right. And some of those questions are going to light a fire in yeah. some of us and they're going to send us down a rabbit trail. Yes. That we should surely feel free to go down mm-hmm. and we might land in a place that we had never landed. We mm-hmm. might land in a place that seems very foreign to everybody else mm-hmm. that we're in relationship with even. Yeah. You know, I have a good friend that's on a rabbit trail on wh- where women fit in the hierarchy or lack thereof in the church. Like that is her, that is where her fire is. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and she should be able to land where she should study it thoroughly and she should be able to land there. And that's okay. Even mm-hmm. if we land in different places on that, because it's not about the gospel, right. like we're not talking about the gospel right here. We're talking about tithing, which is a law. Those are, that's free to explore how law mm-hmm. and redemption all fits together. And mm-hmm. in, and in the case of tithing, I tend, I have tended to land as I've gone down my rabbit trail in the idea that that is the op- that is the case. Is mm-hmm. that it's it's supposed to look more like the Acts Church, where everything that we have belongs to God, and we give it freely as there is as we mm-hmm. as there is need. As mm-hmm. I have studied, that's where I have landed. Mm-hmm. Is it okay that somebody else has landed where we still give absolutely ten percent as mm-hmm. our absolute minimum, and then whatever extra is fine? Sure, some people will land there, and that's fine too. Well, and I think the other thing too, and this is this is my you know this is like my thing, but when we're looking at this, so. You're wondering about this, is is this talking about tithing? Well, later on as you're reading and studying other passages, you might not go down the rabbit trail of tithing, mm-hmm. but later on you might come, remember up, it. It might come up and then you're like, oh, I remember there was that one passage. You might come back to this passage later on and be like, no, it was definitely not talking about tithing, right? right. Because when we're interpreting scripture, like you've said, and this is why we read the whole thing, we have to know what's going on. And we're putting ourselves in the it. picture. Mm-hmm. Right. And so 
you might come back later and say, oh, I asked that question about whatever, and I, and I thought maybe it was talking about this, but it really wasn't. And that's okay. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's why asking the questions are good because in that, you'll, you'll learn how to interpret Scripture. Right. Like, as you're, as you're asking those questions in those little, the little places that you're studying and then you continue to study more, the Spirit is going to right. use His Word to teach you more about Himself. Yes. And so it's this, that's why studying the Bible, you never, you never accomplish it. Yes. Like, <laughs> good. Yes. You, you never know, get it's, there. It's yeah. just this constant cycle of, oh, oh, oh. And you even did it today in the podcast, picking out, well, you talked a lot about Acts and you took us to that second First Corinthians passage. Mm-hmm. That's what's fun about studying scripture is it's okay to ask the questions. Yes. As long as you find the answer in yes. scripture, you know, and, and if the we Holy just, Spirit. If we look at the the order of how that happened too, is you have to, you know, if I hadn't taken the time to observe, okay, I'm looking just at the text and I'm saying, okay, we're talking about kings and tariffs, kings and taxes. So clearly what we're addressing on the surface here or kings, yeah, are, is like country, countrymen uh-huh. and taxes, right? Yeah. But then Jesus bring Jesus is comparing sons and fathers, and that's not you. Ha- if you look at it carefully, you're going, okay, sons and fathers. Well, that wasn't even what we were talking about. But clearly, Jesus is trying to make a point about fathers and sons, mm-hmm. and so then that leads me then to an interpretation question, mm-hmm. right? Because I've observed carefully. Now I can ask that question that says, okay, well, I know he's making a point. What is his point? Mm-hmm. And then it leads me to a question. And a lot of times when I get to the interpretation that leaves me with a question that I haven't had an answer. I won't, that doesn't end up in my applications. It just, right. get, it just sits there as an yes. interpretation for a while. And eventually, like you said, the more you study and the more you mm-hmm. see other scriptures and you go, Oh, that makes me think of this other scripture yeah. where I thought he might've been talking yeah. about tithing. Then I might start to make an interpretation mm-hmm. based on these. You might other get scriptures. to answer the question That's in your interpretation. It, right. Yeah. Which is exactly what you're saying, which then would lead to an application. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if I have decided this and this and this from tithing, how I'm going to apply this is all of my money is now God's. Yeah. And so wherever he tells me to put it, I will just obey. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's good stuff. If we're trying to learn about inductive Bible study, we've done it in this chapter for sure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dive Matthew. If you enjoyed our version of inductive Bible study and want to join our community of people all working on the same book of the Bible together, come check us out at divecollective.org and sign up for one of our current live dive studies. We believe you'll find a welcoming community, one where you'll be challenged, inspired, and uplifted. Come and see.